The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 2 of the Murder in Mind podcast, brought to you by SJP World Media. I am one half of your hosting duo, Morty, and I'm joined by the king of our SJP World Media castle. Throw us some scraps, old jaunty one. I don't know what that means. It's just a side pal. Jaunty one? What, what, what is that? What is that? <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> oh man, I get all embarrassed and cringy when people start saying things like the head guy of this and the <laughs> and the king of, and and Danny uh, Scottish Danny's got a habit now at the end of Nitro Nights saying the great Cy Powell and all this when he's when he's running through <laughs> the sh- and it's honestly it, it it embarrasses me. It's like I, I I hope people enjoy the shows that I do, but that's enough. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> anything more than that honestly I, I i go all silly and daft do you know the bad thing is now you said that it makes me want to do it more oh shite <laughs> <laughs> how are you mort you okay oh i'm really good man yeah yeah i'm very very well um very much enjoyed going through episode one with you last mm-hmm. week yeah I um, that. it was great yeah it was it was really interesting to uh to get your idea uh to get your thoughts on it especially as like you said you you've well you you had seen bits of that to your knowledge, but obviously you didn't really remember the story. So it was really interesting no. then to see your thoughts on that. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, okay. Okay. Looking forward to having a conversation about this one because we ended last week with uh, you give me the impression that you have almost negative memories of this episode, potentially. Mm. So it was interesting to to sort of watch it back and hear your thoughts in comparison to what I may think and so on. But yeah, with regards to last week, I, I loved it. It was uh, it was a great start to the series, great start to the podcast. Yeah, hopefully we can carry it on. Yeah, and and um, and also when we when we were talking last week, we spoke about uh, one of the reasons that we one of the reasons that we're doing this because it's a forgotten series that no one really mm-hmm. talks about. Um, and our friend, one of one of your. Uh, one of your many partners, you being a, a, a podcasting Mormon, uh, was uh, <laughs> Scottish Danny, has actually located uh, this series on the internet, which at first yes. I thought, you know, I just put it down to Danny knowing the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. But apparently uh, it's on Daily Motion now and it was uploaded in July or August, he said, which is why I didn't know it was there. Because when I was first, you know, every time I've done my search and before that. So if you guys want to watch along with us, um you know contact the show i think it is murder in mind pod on twitter i'll tell you what i'll find out exactly what it is (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sure that we can uh we can share that link that danny shared with us if you want to watch along with us and then you'd have to go out and buy the dvd or they should they they should have to go out and buy the dvd go on has everyone got a dvd player now why wouldn't why wouldn't they i get mocked for having dvds really i got a vhs player still (laughs) Have you? I, I've got yeah. one in the garage. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, use no, it. I still got one. I've got a. Um, I've got a few old uh, music videotapes um, for bands okay. that I loved from the eighties, like you know the likes of Wasp and so on, eighties metal and that. Where 
I don't think these concerts have ever been converted to DVD because the band wasn't that big a deal. So, <laughs> so okay. I can't watch it unless I pull it, plug it into my, uh, my video player. So it's oh, at nice. Murder in Mind Pod, by the way. Yes, you are correct. Perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. But forget that. Just go and, just go and get a DVD. Buy a DVD player. Yeah, Buy a DVD. A DVD. <laughs> so should we, uh, should we just get straight into this and, and start going? Let's do it. Okay, so this is this is as we said, episode two. It was called Flame, and it first aired on the twenty ninth of April two thousand and one. Uh, and as we mentioned last week, it stars Steve McFadden, who is famous for Phil Mitchell. I don't think he's famous for anything else. I don't think he's ever been in anything else ever, has he? Never said. Well, I've never seen him in anything else. I know that he'd done pantos and things like that. However, this sort of a Doctor Who connection. Okay. Sort of. It's a real stretch, this one. That's because there's no other <laughs> Doctor Who connections and I needed it to happen. Right. Okay. So he he appeared in a, in a sketch which was called uh, Doctor Who Dimension in Time, which apparently was when Rani um, collected a number of the doctors throughout their lifetime and trapped them in Albert Square. Oh, I remember this. Was it for like Children in Need or Comic Relief? Something like, something that, like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's kind of a Doctor Who connection. That works. Sort of, in it? Yeah, that works. <laughs> I, I, I'm on board with that. That works for me. It's the best I can do. <laughs> but yeah, he's obviously very famous for Phil Mitchell. And this was really, um, I've even looked back to his acting credits. And apart from a couple of small parts he did before Phil Mitchell, this is really the only sort of TV thing that he did. And he is the the main character uh, in this. So, Mm -hmm. you know, very much um, circling around him. So we open uh, the episode, much like last week's episode, to be honest, quite quickly into, into the meat of the matter, quite quickly into the story, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically Steve McFadden's character, Joe, walking into a crime scene, I guess is walking into what you know we later find out is his own home but you can kind of figure that out straight off the bat can't you he's walking in and letting himself into the house and wandering about and goes upstairs and i i don't know why my mind went to this but i thought he was going to catch his wife cheating on him Mm. but obviously that's not the case and it's weird that i thought that considering the story that we're about to look at but that's what i thought was going to happen uh but he, he opens the bedroom door and uh there's well there's like i said a crime scene it's a bloodbath isn't it yeah absolutely he walks into a bedroom and there is a uh, there's a body on the floor a lot of blood uh and there is a lady laying on the bed uh with a knife in her stomach in her chest mm, yeah um one of those areas uh and uh, he's, you know, he's quite, he's shocked. I'm laughing because I want to know what you thought about it. But he's, he's very shocked uh, at this. And then, uh, and then the, uh, the lady sits up mm. um, and says his name, I think. She says, Joe. Yes, I think so, yeah. What did you think about this first little bit? Um. It was very much a case of, and I'm going to say this a lot, I think, as we watch mm. this or as we talk about this this episode, it was very much a case of what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's just literally what was, because again, we've literally just been dropped into this scene and it's, 
you know, there's there's it's quite a graphic image. The the person on the floor is is covered in blood. Uh, the woman on the bed has got this big old kitchen knife sticking right out of her chest. Yeah, lots it's of blood. Quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a dramatic scene, and it is. I mean, he's he's walking up this this yellow staircase. It's all quite warm and nice, and the house is pretty well done out, and so on. And then you open the he opens the one door, and boom, there's this. And I was like, okay, what the hell? And then it says one month earlier. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's quite a way to open, isn't it? It's I'll, yes. I'll give that. It's, it's quite a way to open. Um, I, 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 the first time, I don't know if it's the first time I watched it, but I know a long time ago when I watched it, I found his shocked face very funny. And I don't think <laughs> okay. I was supposed to. And I'm, I'm going to put it out there now. I don't think he's a good actor, at least at this stage in his career. Mm. I, I think it's all a bit wonky. Uh, yeah, but um, we'll we'll see what you think about that later on. But you you know, for for an opening piece, it's quite impactful because now you know they said as I said, it says one month earlier. We need to, we know that these people are going to die. Mm-hmm. We don't obviously know who they are at that point, and we know by that transition that we're about to see that story unravel. Also, it being murder in mind. Yeah, and and there's you say about those characters we know are going to die. The, one of the things I, I, I failed to mention was as he's come, arriving home and um, we, you basically see a yellow car in the driveway, don't you? Straight mm. right at the very beginning of the episode, which you don't, it stood out to me because it was bright yellow. But that aside, yeah. it was like, okay, you know, because everything else is, is a darker evening and that, that's all, you know, I wonder if it was picked to be that color for that reason. I'm not sure, but it's, you know, it, your eyes are drawn to it. The very next, so, so, I suppose, time you see this vehicle, Again, it stands out quite clearly because it's a bright yellow sports car. Mm. And it's one of his colleagues from work driving it. Because uh, I didn't make the link of who the second body was. I assumed the first body, the, the lady on the bed, was his wife. Got the second the second body, I'm thinking, okay, that's who she must be having an affair with. Mm. But I didn't twig for, especially when we saw the guy in the next couple of scenes, alive and, and so on, like from, from the month previous, I didn't make the link that that was the guy who was dead on the floor until I saw okay. him get in the yellow sports car. And I was like, okay. So then you sort of think, okay, that guy in a month's time is going to be dead on the job, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. Again, this is one of the brilliant things with this, because with this particular part of uh, the murder in mind series, because these are the episodes that I've seen a lot and I've seen quite recently, other that so you know i'm obviously watching it and thinking well you know when he shows up his name is angus when he shows up mm-hmm. you know i think it's quite obvious that that's who he is but then i've seen it quite a few times so it's when right. it's, that's why it's better to get the you know the 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 insight of someone like yourself who's never seen it before you know yeah. you look at it with completely different eyes yeah it was it was um, literally just the car and i mean if the yeah. car was I don't know if it was just a fiesta or uh, or whatever, something a bit more run of the mill, or it was maybe a, a blue or red or not that vivid a color. I probably wouldn't even made the link then. It was mm. just because it was this bright yellow sports car. And again, I wonder if that was done deliberately to make you have your eyes drawn towards it or or not. I'm not sure, but that that's what got that's what worked for me anyway. That's an interesting. That's an interesting point. I wonder if that was uh, was deliberate. That's quite a that's quite a good. Uh could catch and potentially that one um yeah so like you say we go back one month previous and we see joe who is a fireman uh, searching for a dog in a sewer 
mm. as you do. Uh, <laughs> How's that thought got down there, poor bugger? I I don't know. How did they know it was down there? Oh, yeah. Well, perhaps they can hear it. Or maybe they can hear a dog whining coming through the pipes or something. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Seems he goes. A way he res- he's a long way down. He rescues this dog. Um, and he comes out of the sewer and he gets washed down. Does a little sing song, a little dance. I quite like this, that little bit because Phil Mitchell is, you know, a very grumpy character. Mm-hmm. And in theory, I think it was possibly uh, to show that this is a different type of yeah. character um, because he was Phil Mitchell before this for quite a period of time. Um, so, you know, he's, he's quite jovially uh, singing and dancing. I'm singing in the rain whilst he's being hosed down. Um, and he gets a bit of a bit of side eye from Angus and it, it sort of zooms in on him. And I thought that that for me was the first time that I do. Well, that's the guy that's going to die. Um, right, okay. Yeah. Did you enjoy the little sing song? Oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> Who doesn't like a sing song? I mean, I, the order on my notes can kind of show how I picked up on the Angus thing because I, I've got about, you know, um, Joe rescuing the dog from the sewer. Mm-hmm. And then I've got that there's one fireman really who, se- who seems not to like him. And it's literally the next line says, oh, he gets in the yellow car from the crime scene. So even yeah. then, when it zoomed in on the guy, I didn't twig. Right, got you. Yeah, yeah, he makes some sort of comment to him, doesn't he, about, um, mm. about him stinking of the sewers. And yeah, um, he, he's, he's a dick. It's quite mm. obvious quite early on. Um so yeah, we we see uh, we see this guy. I I wrote down his name, but I again I've done search on all these people. And to be honest, apart from one other, none of them have really. They've all had bit parts before and bit parts after. None of them have really gone on to do that much. To be honest, um, right, okay. this guy has been in quite a few things, but you know, sort of very minor roles. Um, his name is Ryan Philpot, but like I say, there's no real real meat uh, on that. To be honest, yeah. Um, we also find out that Joe is a basketball coach, so he's quite a busy guy. Not only a fine basketball coach as well, uh, so he's coaching these kids, and it's it's just a little bit to establish that that's what he does. There's no real sort of storyline uh, meet going on there. He just tells uh, a couple of the lads to behave themselves, and that's kind of it, really. The electric goes out, doesn't it, in the uh, in the gym? Yeah, I think the whole thing is 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 done similar to the sing song. The whole. Uh, I mean, obviously, later on, we find out that his timing at basketball is going to be used for another reason. Mm. But that could have been done with anything. That could have been done playing darts with your mates down the boozer, whatever. I think the fact that it's at a youth club, and they mentioned the youth club a couple of times, mm. and it's you know basketball coaching young kids at a youth club, and it shows him breaking up a fight and all this sort of stuff. I think, again, it's very similar to the singing and dancing and rescuing a dog. He could have been saving a person from a fire, but he's rescuing a dog from a scenario. I Mm. think, again, it's trying to put him in a very positive light. This is a nice guy is what I think they're trying to point out. Mm. Yeah. Maybe an interesting parallel to the first episode as well, because the first episode spent a lot of time uh, focusing on Edwards to say that he was, you know, what a good bloke he was, what he's done for the school and kids, just to really put the emphasis on this is not a bad person. You, you are meant to feel for this guy, mm. you know, and, uh, and yeah, quite quickly, you know, we're shown Joe's not a bad guy. He's actually a very, very good uh, sort of soft hide guy. And I, and I suppose that probably is just the story anyway that they would have told. But I think the fact that it is such a recognizable face for such a recognizable character 
I think they they kind of needed to push that that yeah. way so that you don't just think of him as Phil Mitchell. It's a bad thing, but he's you know he's so recognisable that character. There's a reason he's typecast. That yeah, way. exactly. He is he is typecast. That's, that's the perfect way of putting it. He is typecast as Phil Mitchell, one hundred percent. And it's it's interesting. You mentioned about his his acting abilities at this point in his career. I completely agree with you. Apart from a couple of scenes where he's almost acting like Phil Mitchell would act. And all of a sudden mm. he's more convincing again, but we'll get to those. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the electric's gone off. So he decides that you uh, might as well go back home, get yourself a lovely little Chinese takeaway. And as he comes home, he sees that bright car that you mentioned, Sai, uh, in the driveway. And then just at that particular moment, as luck would have it, or what luck wouldn't have it, uh, mm. Angus leaves the house and gives Joe's wife a kiss, just in case we weren't quite sure what was going on yeah. while he was visiting, just to hammer that one home. Yeah, uh, and if there's any, kiss. it's not subtle at all, is it? It's very much <laughs> <laughs> on the doorstep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she doesn't care. Well, we she know she doesn't shit. care. Yeah. Um, so they have a little kissy, and uh, I don't know why I said it like that. And Angus drives off, drives past Joe's car. Mm-hmm. Doesn't again, doesn't pick up the Joe's there at all. No, he's not. That I find strange. Way. <laughs> That's why that I find because you notice the car. Surely, if, so, if you're yeah. leaving this guy's house and you're trying to be secretive about it, obviously they are meeting at a certain time when they know that Joe isn't going to be there for obvious reasons. Mm. And then you're leaving the house. I mean, it's one thing having a little kiss on the on the porchway when you think this guy is still at basketball. But then as you're driving away, I mean, I don't drive, but I'm thinking you're looking around you to see what's going on. You're not just you know, oblivious to cars next to you or whatever. Surely you would notice that car and recognize it from work where you see the car every sodding day. <laughs> You'd think so, wouldn't you? But, I mean, he just had his end away. Maybe he's just, you know, having uh, a little yeah. whistle. Yeah. Having a cigarette. He's not... Yeah, I'm maybe, not, maybe. Not thinking. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so poor old Joe, you know, has, has found out what happens, and he has a, a very, very brief uh, Mitchell moment where he starts punching the car mm. um, and unloading. And you, you do, you do feel for him a little bit there. You know, it, it's clearly, um, you know, quite a horrible thing to find out. Um, so he gets home. I've written here. He gets home, and we meet the mega bitch. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair shake. Yeah, she, gosh, I tell you what, <laughs> let's get into this now. So this is his wife. Um, I've written down her name, that uh, the actress that plays her. She is played by Sharon Maiden. She's not been in much uh, after this. Um, she was in a couple of episodes of London's Burning before this. Um, she is dreadful, in my opinion. The character is dreadful. Mm-hmm. But I think that the actress is very, very, very bad. I I can't figure out if she's trying to be... She calls him darling all the time, doesn't oh she? Oh, my God. That's the, only, oh, that's the only point of reference she ever makes towards Joe. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if she's being uh, pleasant when we see her later on trying to get money out of him or if it's when she's very much against the idea of sitting down and having a conversation at one point, she's constantly referred to him as darling. And I never figure out if it's shit acting or 
if it's actually really good and she's being slightly sarcastic the whole time. I think considering the rest of her performance, it's probably shit acting. But yeah, that, I think it is. Yeah, but that I think it's bad darling, writing. Yeah, and I I'll, think it's shit acting. It's almost patronising in the way she's doing it. Yeah, I I think um, for me again, I, what, what you'll you'll think you maybe you're looking at it from different eyes. Maybe for me, I don't think uh, the actress. I don't think is particularly good, but the character they're trying to portray that she's a, a mega bitch. Right, right. I know I'm using a lot of swears. And I do apologise. She's trying to portray. They're trying to portray that she's an awful person, right? Mm-hmm. But there are other ways to do it than than this direction. So I think a lot of it is direction as well. A lot of it is the dialogue because the dialogue mostly is darling. Yeah, and there's the over the top rolling of the eyes, and there's a ah oh, well, and it's just it's just like we get it. There are ways to portray and write a horrible, horrible wife that we're not going to um, sympathize with without just having her be an all-out, you know, just... She just doesn't seem like a real person. She's not mm. playing like a real person. It is a over-the-top caricature of a villain for me. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can get where you're coming from. I mean, playing devil's advocate, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way, mm. but I just want to sort of put a different spin on things, potentially. Is it possible that it's been written that way because when it comes to this relationship, she has completely checked out. Mm. She's got no interest in sitting and having dinner with him, as we see in, in the show. She's mm-hmm. got, uh, he spends all of his time in the spare room on a computer, yep. apparently, or at basketball or whatever. Um, she is getting uh, excitement from the guy, Angus, who everyone is calling a bit of a flash git at work. Yep. Uh, Sort of stuff so you know there is that and he's, he's obviously got an appeal to the ladies because we see him with a barmaid later on and so on and he's, he's obviously you know quite confident and as the gift of the gab maybe good looking so lad. A, sorry good looking lad yeah 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 so is it possible that she has literally just checked out and the eye rolling and the huffing and all that sort of stuff as badly acted as it could be is just trying to show us that she's just not she just doesn't give a shit. She's stopped caring because I think it's literally the next scene or maybe a scene or two after that letter arrives, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, I think it's the next one. So, um, so yeah, we, he gets home and like I say, I've written that we meet the way, but she, her use of the word darling is awful. Yes. Um, Cringe I've got. <laughs> it is honestly just constant. Um, and yeah, like you said, she judges him for using the computer too much. Um, when he's in the spare room, he's typing up something for the basketball. What a computer that is as well. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, is, it's quite it's quite similar to one that I actually own. Is it? Is it? Oh, it's yes. lovely. It's a proper... I know this is in 2001, but that's a proper, like, 97... Ah, uh, see, mine, mine runs on Windows 98. Legit. Okay. I've got, I've got a PC downstairs um, on my desk that runs on windows 98 it's a big tower thing that sits underneath really? uh, and it's got a big fat monitor on it and um, a mouse that is a bit of a state but if i plug a different or a new mouse into it the computer asks me to connect it to the internet to upload stuff it needs for new software right and when, and i can't do that because it asks for me to connect via dial-up <laughs> it's that old but it, <laughs> well, it's lovely. what I, is what I play my old championship manager 2001 game on. Uh, so I love it. <laughs> oh, I love that. 
it uh, it sounds like it's you know going to take off as well when you turn it on and the fan starts it's like it's like really really <laughs> loud <laughs> i love that do you know what i was going uh, completely nothing to do with anything i was going through uh some of my uh, some stuff in my mum's house the other week and she's got this thing you know like a cd case and i opened it up and in there was uh championship manager 1997 oh why got that in there oh 97 slash 98 yeah yeah um there's a uh a rugrats disc which was like okay. which was like uh paint but with little rugrats <laughs> uh i can't remember what else was in it there was there uh, there was in carter there was something like some problem and i'm like don't chuck these away no don't throw them away leave them um, I might bring that championship manager over to you when I'm in the neck of the woods. Yeah, I'll do it, man. <laughs> I, I, like I said, I got 2001 and I play it all the time. That's what I play when I'm editing or, or doing anything like that. I'm, I'm you know, knocking up designs for logos, t-shirt, whatever. I have two screens in front of me. I have my laptop screen, which is what I'm doing all my proper stuff on. Yeah. And then my championship manager screen next to it because there's no sound on that game. So I can listen to what I'm editing and play my game at the same time. That's how I spend some of my evenings. <laughs> oh, that's I like that. Yeah, so we've got we've got size computer there. Uh, yeah. apparently, Joe's, <laughs> apparently Joe's on it far too much. Um, he he gets into bed or she's asleep, and he's obviously hurting, you know. And it's it's mm. again we're we're lingering on him a lot just to show the kind of the pain that he's going through. And as he said, the next day um, he's not really firing all cylinders, is he? He's uh, he's making a no. bit of a mess at work. Um, an old knobby nuts asks him what, what's wrong with it. That's Angus. Asks him what's wrong with him. Um, uh, that That's kind of it. That seems quite brief, isn't it? We very yeah. briefly see that he's not having a good day and then we're straight back home again. Yeah. it's. it's I mean, it, get, it does the job, I suppose. It very much gets the message across that it's bothering him. This is on his mind and he's messing up at work because of it. Hmm. But at the same time, it was so brief. It's almost like, okay, maybe they could have done a little bit more mm. with that rather than just show him. I don't know. He, he doesn't connect a hose properly to the fire engine, does he? So the water yeah. sprays everywhere. And yeah, so I, I think they could have done a little bit more to that potentially. But yeah, it does yeah. the job, I suppose. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think it's it's something that we've, we've already, I mean, there's already two episodes in, but already for me, that is a, a common thing. And I'm not saying it's a negative thing. I think it's it's not. Where we've only only got an hour to tell quite intricate yeah. stories, I would say. There's a lot went into that first episode. And there is a lot, actually, that goes into this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, you know, sometimes you watch shows and they drag certain areas out. They don't really have time to do that. So they need to tell you this is affecting his work life because that might explain what happens later. This This is affecting his work life, but they don't really have time to linger on that too much so there you yeah. go there's the hose off we crack so i, yeah. I do quite yeah. like that uh, it keeps moving because i think this episode if it had a drag down i mean if this was a two-parter i think it would have been a real struggle the other one last week's like i said to you, you could probably could have done a mini series out of it there was enough interesting yeah. characters um enough you could have done with it i think this one needs to be an hour and it needs to be you know quite and it needs to keep moving i think i think the only plus point to if this was a two-parter or something like that mm. would be the potential for some incredible cliffhanger at the end of the first episode because of certain mm. scenes we see certain characters we you know see speaking to joe and so on mm. there's potential i think for some really clever huge cliffhangers to get you to tune in next week but i think you're right the story in itself 
an hour is enough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, there's the there's one character that yeah for, for sure is very very interesting. Um, so we're back at home, and this is the the scene that you were talking about, I think. And he asks her to uh, eat with him, and again she calls him darling about ten times. I've written, um, mm-hmm. and uh, she, like you said, she's not. She said, I always eat my dinner in front of the TV. And he asks her to sit with him and she sits and she rolls her eyes and she tuts and she very just, dramatically grabs the fork and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just, yep. it's just very, very, oh man. It's, I, I find it quite cringy, uh, to be honest. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, and then she sad enough and she goes off into the other room again. And that's, that's it with that. And again, it's just establishing that she couldn't care less. Yeah, like I said, she's already mentally checked out, hasn't she? She's already half out the door, so to speak. Yeah, and and this is where you said um, that it's quite interesting because you've got this, again, I think I do feel like this is down to the actress this bit because you've got this side of her where she is checked out, she's not interested, and that's it. And you think, well, you know, she's not going to be bothered if he finds out. But then we go to the next day and she's after money. Mm Mm-hmm. And she mentions it. Is this next day? Or is it still? Yeah, next day. She mentions that the cre- his credit card had hit the limit, and that was embarrassing. You know, and she's having a go yeah. at him about that. But there's little bits of of her where she's after money later on, where she's being almost sweet to him because she needs that money. And I think that is there's not enough of a flip of the switch. I don't think that actually okay. has because I because I think that that would be quite an interesting wrinkle to, you know, we are seeing that she's really mentally checked out, but mm-hmm. then she does, you know, sort of work on him a little bit because she's using him. And I just don't think it's just, it's just not, not done very well. I don't think. Yeah. You, almost. You want her to, to be, be more manipulative, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. See that other side to her as well. Cause obviously she's, she is quite manipulative and, so on because she's she's doing what she's doing whilst her mm-hmm. husband is, you know, coaching kids basketball and so on. It's mm-hmm. not like it's an accident. This has happened. This is a regular meetup that they seem to have on certain times and so on. So it's very premeditated. So there is that side to her, of course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, then we're we're over. At, I'm sorry if I missed any bits, but we I think we're over at the next day. Um, he's got a load of letters. She asks if there's anything for her. He says they're just bills. So obviously she's not interested in that. Which again mm. is quite a, an interesting thing for the character, really, because why yep. would she be? Um, that's a subtle touch, I think. Yeah, that's that, and and this is where this is. I like subtleties, and that might be one of my issues with this story. There's not enough subtlety. I like that yeah. little subtlety, but there's so much hammering you over the head, where it's like she is, and there's there's a little bit of that in some other episodes as well but it, it's really hammering you over the head with it whereas i think that character could have been a a mega b word but mm. they could have done that a bit more subtly and they could have shown the manipulation we would have got that i think as uh as uh as viewers but anyway so he gets a letter out and reads it out loud as as you do because again he has to bless him yeah the direction <laughs> um in the toilet yeah, in the toilet. Yeah, and he reads that she's filing for divorce, and he's upset yes. about that. Yeah, I mean, I think you would be, wouldn't you? Even though you know that this lady is is you know a, a, an absolute bitch and she's cheating on you and all this sort of stuff, mm. he's only literally just found that out. 
if he'd yeah. known this for a little while, maybe he would be a bit more like, ah, yeah, whatever. But and again, I suppose it comes back to a financial standpoint as well. I suppose so straight mm. away. Oh yeah, he's thinking I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose that, and you know he's re- he's reading stuff online as well, isn't he? Yeah, so he does. He does see after. That's a good point, actually. I didn't think about that. Um, he flushes that letter down the toilet, but it doesn't flush down, does it? No. I no. was I was very concerned about that particular thing. That's why you always just stay there and check, mate. Do you know what I mean? You'll keep flushing <laughs> till it goes. <Yeah. laughs> Only toilet paper goes yes. in there. Exactly. He's a fireman. <laughs> he should know about health and safety and all these kind of things. Think of the poor dogs in the sewers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Think about the sewer dogs. Um, yeah, so uh, now we're, we're back at his work. His mates are pricks as well, we find out quite quickly, because they're laughing about, uh, quite clearly they're laughing about Joe, uh, about the fact that Angus was having it away with him. Joe mm. hears them, twigs that, asks them what's going on. They make up some bull story about some random guy. Um, I thought that was that was interesting. I'm not sure it was necessary, but I thought that was interesting. Maybe they're trying to show about how sort of isolated Joe is. He doesn't really have anyone to confide yeah. in. Maybe that was the point. I think that's something that sort of pops up quite a bit throughout the episode, to be fair. That he is he is quite lonely. He is quite isolated. His wife is effectively his... His wife is the only real outside-of-work contact we see him having, other than the basketball. He does the basketball mm. thing. Which is a different scenario again, isn't it? It's not like it, it's not like you're hanging about with your mates. You're there to coach. Yeah. So, and he does get asked to the pub after work, but says no because he's got basketball or whatever. Mm. He does come across like quite a quite a lonesome individual, I think. Yeah, and I think maybe maybe that's like I say it's different when you sit down and watch it, and then when you're trying to analyze it because I think you've come up with different things, and mm-hmm. I think actually that explains why he will. Uh, which he will shortly get onto random chat rooms and vent this anger exactly. to strangers because he can't talk to his friends about it because his supposed friends are laughing behind his back. Yeah. So um, th- that's that's a good little uh, that's a good little story beat. To be fair, that I've only just picked up on. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also the mention at once that um, we are sort of jumping back and forth in yeah. certain scenes, but you mentioned him being in the chat rooms and so on. Um, there's another moment with regards to that where the, his his wife says to him, it's two o'clock in the morning. Why are you still on that computer? Why don't you just move your bed in here? There's another line she throws at him. Mm. So obviously he spends a lot of time, just him and his computer. So that, again, I suppose, adds to this uh, loner kind of, you know, or, yeah. or, or lonely character, I guess. Yeah, and the broken down relationship that they have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's say uh, they were laughing about it. And when he's back home, she's on the phone. He asks who it is. She gives the crappiest lie about a wrong number. Again, oh, I put this down to the writing. They could have come up with something bad. a bit more, couldn't they? Was yeah, a bit... she's, she's openly giggling on the phone. So yeah. it's obvious. It, it, again, it's, it's the lack of a subtlety, I think, here. Mm-hmm. There's no... It's difficult because it's not a, a, a mobile or whatever that we're used to now. Obviously, she's on the landline, mm-hmm. and it's a call that we know where this call is coming from. Yeah, but it's almost like they tried to make sure you know where this call is coming from, and the only way that you could 
get that is by Joe half catching her. So he, she is sniggering and giggling away with this love interest of hers on the phone. Sees Joe, ends the call, and then goes, oh, it's the wrong number. So why would you be giggling like that at a wrong number? It makes absolutely no sense. No. Uh, and, it, uh, you know, that is a a problem for me. Yeah. writing on this. It's, uh, yeah. This is, so, you know, last last week we spoke about the, the writing on there. Anthony Horowitz was the writer. Um, apparently he was the creator of this series as well. Um, yeah. Not Barry Horowitz. No, uh, he was his younger brother. He was um, <laughs> the creator, but he was not the main writer for this episode, which I think okay. it's obvious if you compare the two. Yeah. Just, just even, you know, like I say, you know, we'll find out as we go on um, more and more what each other think, but just the first episode, there's a lot of subtleties in that. And there's a lot of, you know, there's quite a few nice little lines and there's a lot of, um, whereas this is very, you know, in your face. Mm. Um, storytelling really yeah um yeah he goes into the bedroom he finds it i've written he finds a garment i don't know he does that he does indeed and again this is the thing she's having an affair and it's one of two ways isn't it it's either she doesn't give a shit or it's bad writing because it's so badly hidden mm. you know because to me if if you're trying to hide it which it looks like she is because she's tucked it under her pillows Mm. You choose somewhere better than maybe 12 inches from where your husband's going to lay his face. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not very well thought out, is it? No. And that's what, you know, I lean more towards it's bad writing. Mm. But if, if it is just the fact of she's going to divorce him anyway, she doesn't care if he catches her. Fine. But then why would you make up the lie? Even though it was purposely bad lie, why would you make up the lie? Why wouldn't you yeah. just... Yeah, it's it's all a bit wonky. I think it is. I think it is like as you say. I think it is just bad writing. I think they have. They're trying to tell a certain story. They're trying to get to certain scenes and certain situations later in the episode. So this is a lot of groundwork building towards why these things are going to happen later on. Mm. But they haven't got. Again, the, the word keeps popping up, but they haven't got the subtleties in their forte to be able to do that in a clever way. So it is literally a case of, oh, look, here's her sexy gym jams or whatever. And he's <laughs> and he picks them up and looks at them. He's like, oh, right. Okay, then. You know, it's it's just like there's no... <laughs> her sexy gym jams. Sexy gym jams. I said, I, I, everyone's got... You got sexy gym jams? What? <laughs> I've, 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 I'd look down to see if I was wearing them. I'm not wearing any sexy gym jams at the moment. <laughs> I hope I hope you would normally be aware, you know, if you were aware. Like you don't want to rock up to work one day and go, "Oh shit, I've done it again. I got my gym jams on." <laughs> but honestly, my brain was like, "Did I put my gym jams on?" No, <laughs> I'm wearing trousers. I uh, made an effort for you. I'm actually. Oh, I appreciate, it, even though I can only see you from like the neck up. But yeah, yeah. But usually <laughs> when I'm podcasting, you ask anyone that's been on there, you know, other shows that I do, that I'm normally in my pants. So this is Fair I made enough. an effort for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, like you said, he, he's bottling a lot in, and I think that's part of the the point is we're trying mm. to build this up and build this up and build this up so that it is logical that he reaches this next step because he's really bottling it in. He's got no one to talk to, um, and now he's on that chat group as we said. So there are people talking about divorce. Um, he's he mentions that you know she's trying to divorce him. And people are saying say goodbye to your house and. 
Um, he points out that it's not his fault, and everyone's saying, well, that really makes no difference. She's going to fleece you, all mm. this kind of stuff. Um, and then it, someone contacts him in a private chat, don't they? Yes. Yes, it comes up Problem Solver, I think is the name at the top. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then uh, as as we're sort of getting the words appearing on the screen, we're getting this secondary voice reading the messages, which I thought was actually quite a nice touch, to be fair. I was going to ask you what you thought about the voiceover uh, of both the guys reading the the messages. Mm. It's... Oh. I quite like it because it's, this is of its time, isn't it? This is, mm. uh, you know, 20-odd-year-old television. Uh, my wife watches a lot of Hollyoaks, and Hollyoaks is based on um, a lot of young people in this. this it's, it's like around a college or a university, so there's a lot of younger people in the cast of Hollyoaks. Mm-hmm. So everyone's on their mobile phone all the time. And you see the text messages popping up on the screen that they're reading, which I think is a useful tool to be able to see what they're reading on their phone right now having to read it out loud every time they get a text which would take yeah. a moment because nobody really does that here i think it's the best they could do at the time without actually having to make you read the messages back and forth because this this chat room that he's looking at it's very as we said windows 97 windows 98 whatever it's very much the gray background the gray bubble the gray square it might be difficult to follow whose message is from who so I think having the two different voices, I think, makes it quite easy for the viewer to follow the conversation as it's meant. Yeah, and it moves it forward a little bit quicker because, I mean, yeah. I, I said to you before, my eyes are screwed. I'll be sitting there squinting going, what's that? And then they'll move on to the next <laughs> message. And I'm like, oh, I've missed that now. I'll have to rewind yeah. it. So, but it works for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, then like you said, um, they have it, they're having this message and it's going back and forth around um, – you know, basically, he he. This mystery person is is trying to offer some help, um, and then uh, I've written. Uh, she comes in, calls him darling, acts like a knob, and walks out. Is what I've written. Mm, yes, again. That, that's when she mentions the two o'clock in the morning. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's almost like it feels her reaction to him still being there at two o'clock in the morning felt different to when she saw him on the computer earlier on in the episode and he was looking at basketball stuff. Mm. So I think were they trying to show maybe an escalation of what's gone on in the last couple of days or week? He's now even more distant or she is now even more distant, maybe, or maybe picking up on something that's not there, but her reaction seemed more, I mean, outraged isn't the right term, but it's it seemed more animated than her initial reaction. So maybe they are trying to show like a, a an escalation of the situation. I don't know. Again, that's a that's a again that's a, a good point and something to look at, and maybe it explains, um, you know, because now at this point we have gone through quite a few, well, maybe not even days, maybe weeks, as we know, mm. you know, previously it said a month beforehand. So, you know, we've done a lot of jumping from work home, work home, work home. So we are a few days at least into this cycle. So maybe that's, again, something I haven't really picked up on is mm. that it is an escalation of that uh, relationship. And maybe that's that's maybe me saying they need to be more subtle. Maybe they were subtle and I missed it. I don't think they were that subtle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are, you doing the, are you doing the Dan Griffin special again? What's that then? <laughs> Finding something that's not there. Oh, uh, 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I, I don't think I look at things in depth enough to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I, my my notes again. I've gone on a right old rant about her, but we've already we've already gone through all of that. I've, I've said again, they've really gone a bit overboard trying to make her unlikable. Um, next morning, she answers the phone. Nobody's there. Uh, and she says that to him that she needs some money for groceries. He says he gave her 30 quid yesterday and she mocks him. Uh, and she says that she spent it on his food uh, and says it's not her fault. Money's tight. Yeah. Well, and then he says, money's not tight. And she's like, well, come on in and literally puts her hand out. Yeah. That's direction yeah. again. It's not, it's so uh, it's a bit hammer in it. <laughs> it is. It's really on nose, isn't it? It's really kind of, this is what this person is like. And this is the moment I think that we were referring to earlier where it would have been nice to have her come across a bit more manipulative to maybe have a bit more to that character other than nasty bitch is going to die is effectively like the character description, you know? Yeah, because again, you know, there's a brief moment where she's almost nice to him because she wants Mm. his money. And she's not intimate with him, but she gets a bit closer to him than she did before. They could have, again... I wouldn't put this all down to direction. I would put it down partly to her as well. I think she okay. could have played this. Um, I think if you had an, an actress of a certain caliber, I think they would have seen that quite basic direction and got an idea of what that character is supposed to be doing in the situation. I just think yeah. that she, I yeah, I think it's a combination of both things, writing and, um, and her really. Um, so at the fire station, someone's tried to call Joe. So it's a couple of times now that we've had the phone going. Um, and they all go out drinking. Um, he actually goes out with them to the bar this time. It does seem quite obviously said that he doesn't usually do that. Yeah. And they even make make reference to the fact that he doesn't usually do that. Um, his two uh, supposed mates are talking about Angus, and that this is the bit that you said. Yeah, we see Angus flirting with the barmaid, and again. They have been mocking Joe, their supposed friend, for being cheated on by Angus. And then they're saying to Joe, you know, well, what's he got that we ain't got? And all this kind of stuff. It's really heartless. Yeah. What these two guys are doing. Yeah, it is. And, uh, but again, though, I, I when you said about the scene where they're openly mocking him, how mm. quickly they came up with the guy's name when they were trying to say it wasn't about Joe and so on. Were they openly mocking him or did they genuinely, were they genuinely talking about a situation that's just exactly the same as somebody else? And it was just badly acted. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, that would have been an interesting little twist. If, if, uh, if we'd have got sort of a reference to that later on, maybe at the basketball game, if one of them had said that, but because that particular idea didn't pan out and because a lot of this has been so, like I say, so on the nose. Yeah. I don't think that the writing is intricate enough for that. Yeah. I well, think that's, that's trying to make it up. I think, I think, um, I think you could have sort of made your own conclusion on it, but I think the fact that so much of this has been, look, she's bad. Look, yeah. this is, <laughs> it's, it's been so much. Look, she's clearly having an affair. Look, she's talking to this guy on the phone. I don't think then, that would have been quite cool if they then, like, you know, there'd been a passing comment at the basketball game about this guy, you know, got yeah. back with his wife or something. That would have been quite interesting because then that would have also played into an idea that Joe is actually, you know, isolating himself rather mm-hmm. than feeling isolated. That could have been a good little bit of 
character development that actually he could have confided in these guys rather than go into the chat room. That would have been great. I yeah. don't think that's what happened. No, I mean, I suppose the only other sort of string to that bow, I suppose, would be we've dropped in right at him discovering the affair, haven't we? In the in the timeline mm. of what's gone on, we don't know if she has gone off and had this affair despite him being a great husband. Even though we're trying, we're getting messages early on of him being this nice guy. This mm. is always a, a nice guy at work, a nice guy at basketball. You know, we're getting the, we're, we're, the impression is he's a nice fella, but we don't actually ever see it in his relationship at home, do we? Right from the no, office. I think, yeah, I think the impression is that he's a bit boring. He's a mm. bit of a, a, yeah. a, a sim- simple guy, and that so, she's just a bit bored by him, I, I think, is what they're trying to yeah, get across. Yeah. But again, I may be looking at something that's not there, or I may be grasping at straws here, trying to make it more interesting than potentially it is. I don't know. But. I suppose a lot of this episode does this. It keeps you guessing because we've dropped in at the point he has discovered the affair. Mm-hmm. Has she just gone off and had this affair despite of her lovely husband? Or has he been ignoring her sitting in the chat room until two o'clock in the morning for months and months and months? And she has gone and found um, excitement elsewhere because he has neglected his wife. We never really get that earlier Mm. part of the timeline so that i suppose is something that would have been again you only got an hour but yeah that that would have added maybe a bit more to the story going forward with regards to certain aspects of of joe himself as opposed to we're seeing the woman be a bitch Mm. has he done something to cause that or is she just a bitch but because we've come in at the time we've come in we don't ever get that answer, do we? Which again, good, I think it's kind of good because it does kind of keep you guessing, I suppose. Yeah, it's a good point because, you know, we obviously, we're judging on that fact that, you know, he's trying to have dinner with her mm. and that she's been a bitch about it, but she obviously is quite surprised that he's asking her to have dinner with him. So usually maybe he is just in that computer room when he comes home and doesn't really talk to her. And maybe that's what's made her that way. And we just haven't seen that bit. We don't, like you say, we don't know, I suppose. Yeah, and the dinner thing, him saying, sit down and have dinner with me, that's a reaction to knowing that she's cheating. Yeah. If if he hadn't seen this, would he have made that little... I and mean, it's a tiny little effort, but would he have made that effort with her? Mm. Would he have broken the status quo if that sort of lightning bolt of seeing the guy there with his wife hadn't happened? I don't know. Again, you know, if... I still think it could have been done within the hour. Again, if if they'd have had this direction and the writing, have this woman be a bit of a bitch, but have these multi-layered sides yeah. to her where she's a bit manipulative, but actually you could be seeing that maybe she's just really is disenchanted with this relationship. They could have made her a bit more nuanced. It would have maybe made this story even more yeah. like not only like we said earlier with, you know, they could have said that his friends were actually talking about someone else and it becomes this thing that actually he's, he's caused it. He's isolated himself from his yeah. wife, from his friends. There's a lot that they could have done with this particular story. I do think we're reaching. Yeah. I, I, I think the more I talk about it, the more I think, yeah, I'm, you know, that's not the case. No. But I don't know if this, my, my mind is just running away with me or whatever. But they but, yeah. but, they, but this is what it could have been. It could yeah. have been 
yeah, very, very intricate story. And, and you know, spoilers, it could have been on the same sort of level as the first episode, which I, yeah. I did not think this was. Um, right, so the guys leave Joe in the pub, and he's clearly had a few, a um, little bit drunk. And then uh, we see, we finally meet a guy called James Naysworth. Naysworth? Mm. Naysworth. Yeah, um, he was problem solver. He actually announced his name on the uh, the chat room as well, didn't he? That's right. That's the problem solver. Mm. Um, it was quite interesting. I thought the the effects they used on the camera um, when he walked up to him because they kind of distorted it, didn't they? And that kind of played yeah. into the way that they tell the story later on, which is one of the elements of this that I do like. Um, and then he, you know, Joe kind of, I'd say, quite drunk, looks up and you see. Uh, James Nagsworth, who is played by Keith Allen. Now, you must know this guy, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I know Keith Allen. Lily Allen's dad. Yeah, well, I know him from all like, the music <laughs> videos and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's been in all sorts of things. He's quite a yeah. big uh, quite a big name at this. At this time, I would say he was a big name. Um, yeah. I don't know, perhaps, that he is now. I'd say his daughter's probably a more recognisable name than he is now, Lily Allen. Mm, yeah, but at this time, quite quite a recognisable name. Um, so yeah, so he he uh, he comes introduces himself to Joe, uh, introduces himself, um, and starts talking about the fact that he was the guy in the chat room. Joe's a little bit freaked out by the fact that he's you know found him, which um, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah, and it's it's quite a quick exchange, I would say this particular this first exchange. Um, then Joe quite soon leaves the pub. Have I missed anything from that exchange in the no, pub? No, not really. Afterwards, really, doesn't it? Yeah, he comes over. The, the thing that I noticed with uh, with Jim, um, Keith Allen's character, is he walks over and says hello to Joe, and he's got a pint for him. So hmm. this is the first occasion they've met, and they've only exchanged you know very brief messages and so on before. But he has got a pint for him, and it's what he's already drinking. Mm. so that's something i picked up on straight away so i thought okay that's that's creepy yeah not only does he know where he is i mean it's like yeah that was a bit creepy yeah yeah exactly yeah and and say joe leaves um and he kind of and they make a a good point with the camera work to point out that joe is completely on his own as he leaves and he walks uh walks down by a canal or he's walking towards the canal and then uh suddenly we see uh, Jim behind him again, kind of sneaks up on him. Yeah, creepy. I mean, with that, first of all, though, I don't know why my mind works the way it does. <laughs> we see Joe walking towards the camera, and there's a bit of water on the one side, and there's more water on the other side, isn't there? Mm. And it's lapping up over onto the path. And I'm thinking, how much has it fucking rained there? <laughs> that cannot be a safe place for people to be walking, surely, because the water is literally lapping up over the curbs on over the the edge of where it should be into the pathway i'm like what's that about and joe in his drunken state with this this ever-expanding river or canal about to engulf wherever he's drinking <laughs> decides oh this is a good place to stop and have a whiz you know <laughs> yeah top it up yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i i didn't even notice the overlapping canal i didn't yeah. i didn't even notice that i need to start paying more attention to the background of these things well, I'm just looking at I don't again, I don't know why my mind works that way, but I was like, bloody hell, look at that water, that's high. <laughs> yeah, so uh Jim sneaks up behind him 
and they start talking about it, start talking about situation. Um, and he's very blunt. Jim is uh, talking about, you know, him, he, this, this guy is humping your wife in your bed and Joe gives him a bit of a look. And this is the first time you sort of see that Joe could have a bit of a temper mm. um, and rightfully so, you know, but, but it's the first time you see that kind of uh, switch really. And, um, and yeah, they sort of, they sort of talk through, and start suggesting that maybe uh, uh, Jim can help Joe with this situation by removing uh, the issue, which would be his wife who's about to divorce him and take him for all of his money. Yes. Yeah. So he, he asks him what, what he wants to do about it, and um, they have the conversation, and then he says that he doesn't think Joe is quite ready to make that next step, and then disappears. Yeah, just gone. And again, the camera shot shows the long sort of path or walkway or whatever it is. There's nowhere for this guy to just disappear to. You'd see yeah. him like, you know, it's not like he's gone, look at that. And Joe turns around and he cuts back and he's in the distance trying to hide behind a tree or something. <laughs> There's, he's just <laughs> gone, you know? I would love that so much. If it showed like the background, then you just see him sort of crouch down, go like behind the bins. Yeah, crawled up curled up behind a bush or whatever Fra- frantically <laughs> trying to wash that overlapping water away from his shoes like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been great um yeah so then uh next day again we, we we're moving through the time quite a lot a lot again you know a lot's going on in the, in this episode because we mm. i mean at this point are we halfway through nearly even but we, <sighs> you know we've been talking about this quite a while There's a lot has happened yeah. really if you think and about again it's it. it's it's covering i mean the very first scene we get the bodies and so on and then it says one month earlier so we are covering a whole month of this guy's life mm. in this in this well e- even longer obviously because you know the, the later scenes are after the 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 initial opener i suppose when we recap but yeah it's it's a long time frame a long time to be covering in just an hour i think yeah yeah exactly so he goes into the office at work they have a conversation which is inaudible uh, angus has just come out of the office and he comes out quite pissed off and he hasn't got the promotion that was Mm -hmm. uh, up for grabs and Angus has got it. Um, Could that be a reason that they were doing the whole, he wasn't, he wasn't firing all cylinders and he was messing up at work a little bit and that that was affecting his, um, his performance or was he never going to get that job? Oh, see, I don't know. They, they, they had a scene early on, didn't they? When I think it was very, very early on, when uh, Angus gets in the car and drives away, and his two mates at work are already talking about Angus looking like he's getting the promotion. Mm. So yeah, maybe true. it was a case of he was never really going to get it. I don't know, but you're starting to see a little bit of. Well, he, he goes, he goes back home, doesn't he? And he speaks to his wife yep. about it and says, "Oh, I didn't get the promotion. They gave it to Angus," mm-hmm. and his wife responds with you don't want a promotion for a promotion. You need ambition. You're just happy being a standard fireman. Now, if that, that could be her just being a spiteful, spiteful piece of shit again, or mm-hmm. again, it, it could be a case of, okay, this guy is just happy doing his job, going home, going on his computer. And he's, he's dull. He, yeah. Yeah. He's just content with what he's got potentially. Yeah, it could be. Um, and like I say, you know, she, she said that. And he also asks her, do you know Angus? Have you met Angus? Mm. Do you know him? And obviously she denies that. 
Um, and like I say, says, you know, you've got no ambition. You're happy just being a standard fireman. I would say being a fireman isn't the dullest of jobs. No. I think they could have perhaps used a different profession for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, what's the dullest job I've ever had? I worked for national car parks for about six months. That was really dull. Was it? Yeah. Uh, but there was about 10 of us in Gloucester on the car parks. They could have all been car park attendants. Yeah, they could have been. That would have been. Yeah. yeah. They could have worked in finance. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the car park job was so dull that if I worked a certain car park where nothing broke down, I knew that I'd be able to sleep from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. <laughs> undisturbed every day. And that's what I did. It was that boring. I just literally you know, covered up the security camera and went to Kip. <laughs> it was that dull. So <laughs> They could have done that. Yeah, just, just because it, other than showing that he's a good person, the firefighter thing doesn't really play into it. They could have done this with a different profession. I suppose it. I suppose there is right. that area later with the danger with Angus, but other than that, they, you know, if, if if the story is that he's he's a dull guy with mm. no ambition or whatever, it just that, just that something about that line, you're just a bog standard fireman. That's a yeah. pretty risky. And and you know where where he said earlier on the meal, um, aren't you going to ask me what I did today? Well, I know what you did. Do you? Do you know what he did? He might have gone. To you know, a blazing tower. You might be yeah. saving another dog from a sewer. It's, I, I think they could have done this. Yeah, I that, don't know. Until you mention it, there, I didn't even think about that. It doesn't really play into the story at all. There no. is the scene with Angus later on, of course, but you could you could still have a fire somewhere else and that scenario happening, whether they work for the fire service or not. They could, yeah, there could have been a similar something falls on him. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is an odd one, isn't it? An odd, an odd profession to choose, especially when they're calling him bog standard, boring, and so on. Yeah, unambitious. Yeah, that is. You weird. know, sort of, sort of. He's not. He's not really special. You've got to be a brave, you know, sort of a risk taker type guy, haven't you, to be in mm. that profession? Surely, not not also, a job I could ever do. Also, he's not. He's obviously not a supervisor or or anything like that. He, as they have said, a bog standard fireman. Mm. Don't those, don't those guys work shifts? A nine to five, apparently, with Joe. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> does, does it get to like quarter past five and nothing sets on fire? What are they are they worried about disturbing people watching the chase or something? I don't. You know, the, the fires just not happen at that time anymore. But it is literally nine to five because he has time to coach his basketball every week because they have yeah. a helmet every week. Yeah. You know, and I've known people in the police service, and I know because I, mm-hmm. I, I used to run a football club and so on. I've known people in the police service and the ambulance service, and one or two people played against us who were involved in the fire service. Mm-hmm. They weren't available every week because of their shifts. So mm. that's a weird one as well. Yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was just so they could call the episode "Flame." Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uninventive again, look. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're digging far too deep into his job role. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so like I say, she says he's just a bog standard fireman. Um, I've made I've made so many notes about her. <laughs> They're all like you're on your bonnet about her, aren't you? <laughs> oh, honestly, I think it's because. So I I mentioned to you the other week that there is a. Um, there's an episode of this, and I don't think I was... I think it was quite obvious I was talking about this one. I was trying not to make it obvious, but I said there's an episode that I've watched more than probably any other human being's ever watched. 
Right. I have okay. watched this episode three times in the last six months. Okay. She annoyed. She annoyed me years ago when I watched it. I have now watched this woman three times in the space of six months. So yes, there's a lot of notes about her. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a glutton for punishment. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's self abuse, honestly. Um, yeah. So uh, we uh, we we meet you. Um, sorry, we meet Joe again um, with Jim. Yes, so Joe meets up with Jim again. Um, he says, I, "I wasn't Dan Griffin will like this. I wasn't sure you'd come." And then he says, "He's like a genie. You rub my lamp, and I shall appear." A very weird delivery from Keith Allen here because I know yeah. Keith Allen is a good actor. I wouldn't say he's like the greatest actor of all time. But he's a good actor, Keith Allen. But His was it delivery the delivery of this character? I think he is. He's trying to be mysterious. Yeah. I think it's again quite hammy. Yeah, I said like the dialogue. I think doesn't help. Mm. I mean, that there is what has been written for him. Yeah, he's got to do the best with what he's got, and I think it is a bit of a weird couple of lines to exchange there between two fellas sat in a car in the dark. Yeah, and especially with the actual character, that's mm. kind of a. It's almost a jovial line, isn't it? Yes, it's it's, it's a. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, he he. I really doesn't talk like a human. Um, <laughs> he asks. So they go back and forth, and and obviously Joe's really seriously now thinking about this offer to mm. off his wife. Then he he asks him if he's uh, ever done anything like that before, and he takes him to a flat, doesn't he? Yes, I love this. Okay, because again, I'm a little bit of a weirdo when it comes to stuff like this, and he's looking around the flat. And there's there's two, there's two things that really stand out. Okay. When they go into the flat, it's quite a small, pokey little place, and he pulls open these curtains to open to this, this much vast, much bigger room, mm. and it's lit like almost like prison lighting, the old fashioned hang down nineteen seventies prison lighting that you see. Yeah. As well. And one of them is swinging. And as they're talking and walking around, I thought that is such a great effect to have. That mm. simple, that light's just swinging back and forth as they're looking around the room and talking. And Joe is, well, Joe's the one walking around because he is surveying what uh, Jim has brought him there to see, which is newspaper clippings and articles and so on about people disappearing, um, a human head being found. Mm-hmm. uh some a, a man's body being discovered and and I, I again it's a bit morbid a bit weird i suppose but i get a big kick out of reading all those little newspaper clips and yeah what he's been doing or, or what he is hinting at oh yeah this is my previous work i thought that was a really good scene to be fair yeah it's a that is that seems my kind of thing again it's it's the 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 lighting and everything is um it's very classic, isn't it? It's very yeah. it's a classic trope, but it is um, that was that was well done. Like I said, it, actually, the camera angles kind of going around Joe as Joe's walking around at the same time um, around this light, this hanging light, and then you've got uh, creepy Jim behind him, kind of talking mm. in his really tones, and it's um, like you say, there's there's you know quite graphic images, some of them, but black and white again, which is always a lot better i think with stuff like that yeah um 
then having you know colored images on the on the wall having the creepy sort of black and white newspaper cuttings was quite a good visual um he so he's he's looking at all of this and joe asks um asks him how he knows that he can trust jim um which because there's not really an answer to no um and then he asks him how much it uh, how much it costs um how much and joe asks how much it would cost and jim asks how much it's worth i don't know why he keeps talking in riddles no, I, know I can't just answer the question. And also, oh, he's asking how much it costs. We've established this in the last episode. It's thirty quid for a blowjob, hundred quid for the full service. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And he'll even stop the lights swinging so you don't get distracted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we established this. Oh. Um, yeah. So then Joe asks uh, Jim if he has no conscience, and I would say that answer is a solid no. Yeah, again, that was a real odd one. It's like, it's, it, effectively, it's a business transaction they're discussing, and it's a very mm. dark topic. This guy wants his wife bumped off, how much is it going to cost, and so on. And I think it comes back really well to the point you made, that they're trying to make this Jim character mysterious by him not really giving direct answers to anything, and Joe asking certain questions that I think are a little bit out of place. I don't think that would come up in a conversation. Mm. It's a bit, it seemed a bit off to me, a bit of a weird one, but again, I think they're trying to trying to add to the intrigue of this, this gym character, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, then afterwards I do, I really like this shot. It, again, it's not something that really needed to happen, but we then get a shot of uh, Joe outside in the rain and I don't know why I really like that shot. I thought that's right, quite, okay. quite classic, um, classic thing. He's he's it's completely unnecessary, and it's very um, it's very on the nose again. But he stood outside <laughs> in the rain, sort of. Oh, I don't know if this is the right decision. Looking up at yeah. the sky, and but it's I like I like that that look. I don't know why. No, no. Again, it's atmospheric, isn't it? It's an old an old trick, I guess. Same as the swinging light and the black and white pictures and so on. But it works. Yeah. So now we're in that bit where we've kind of alluded to where there's a fire, um, just a normal boring day at work. And um, (laughs) they're going to the fire and our good friend Angus gets hit by some shelving Mm. whilst Joe is there. um, And it's only Joe and Angus that are in that particular area at the time. Walkie talkies come through asking if everything's okay. And Joe says he's fine. Everything's fine. Um, and then they say that they're coming through. So then Joe kind of has to act. He's got yeah. no choice. So it was, it was obviously he was quite willing to let that happen to Angus. But then I think of them coming through, he'd realize he can't get away with it that way. Mm. Um, so he has, he has absolutely no choice and he has to save him. Yeah. It was quite a dark, almost mini turn, wasn't it? Because obviously the guy is, He's upset what's going on. He's angry at the whole, whole Angus situation. His, his mm. marriage is falling apart and all of this. But at the same time, we've got this undercurrent of him being a little bit dull, a little bit boring. And he has known about this now for quite a while. And he is still mm. working with the guy and he hasn't said anything. He has gone to the pub with the guy and not said anything. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, I'm going to let the fucker burn. It was quite a it was quite a turn for me going yeah. from that one step. Again, maybe he's reached his breaking point, and it was a case of a, a, a you know a great 
convenience that this happened, a great situation that arose in front of him that he could just capitalize on. But it was a bit jarring for me after all the other, because I'm, I'm sat there and I'm thinking, why didn't he smack this chap? Mm. When he's sat in the pub and he's got a couple of points in him and this guy is there as well, why hasn't he chinned him yet? Yeah, and I suppose you could have explained it by the fact that he was planning to murder his wife. And if he thought about that, then, you know, if, he, if he'd attacked him, then that certainly would have made him made him the main thing. But at that point in the pub, he hadn't even thought about murder. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're right. Why, why, why wouldn't he? Well, um, I'm just looking at it from, from a personal standpoint. I I would be too fiery to not be able. You wouldn't to be react. able to just look at this guy every day. Would no, you? no. Uh, but again, again, I think you wouldn't really be able to just look at your wife every day and just go along mm. with it, would you? But yeah, that's it. No. Um, so yeah, he has to he has to save him. Um, and then as he walks out, he sees Jim in the crowd. There's a crowd of people around, and he sees Jim in the crowd. Uh, and we're in a locker room now. And Angus thanks Joe. He says thanks for saving him. And I Joe owe you says, one. <laughs> yeah, I owe you one, mate. And he says, okay, maybe now you can leave my wife alone. Uh, and this is where he goes full Phil Mitchell. Yes. This is and one this of is the where he's most comfortable. Yeah. This one and the one where he was drunk in the pub. When he was drunk yeah. in the pub, I believed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, two Phil Mitchell traits. He's drunk and he's fighting. So, yeah. you know, maybe there's a reason he's not done anything else because he is maybe mm-hmm. Steve McFadden is just Phil Mitchell. There is nothing else to this guy. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, even like the way that he has a go at Angus, it's full Phil Mitchell. His voice yeah. Break in and he, he's leave my wife, you know, all this sort of stuff. And yeah, he, he uh, they get into a fight. Angus gets one good shot in, but Joe's getting the advantage, uh, lifts up a fire extinguisher um, and smacks it near Angus's head. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't doesn't go through with doing that. Walks off, and then Angus goes basically goes, "Oh, you got mate." <laughs> Pretty yeah. much, when, when he's on his arse, he's just yeah, yeah. just had his backside handed to him. Like, yeah, knew you couldn't <laughs> do that. And again, that's like, is it the fact that he's thinking ahead and he knows? Because I don't think at this point we've discussed killing Angus. No, that happens in a little bit, but at this point, it's all been about killing his wife. Mm-hmm. We haven't discussed killing Angus. So is this when he made that decision that he wants Angus dead as well, but he can't do it there? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And again, it's almost like, I suppose, a premeditation to things because it's heat of the moment. He's reacted there. Mm. And the fight, the fight is because it's almost like he's got to a point of, of breaking. And then he stops himself from swinging the fire extinguisher. I don't know. I don't really know what they're trying to achieve with that. No, not sure. Not sure either. Um, now he's met up with Jim um, and he lets him know that he'll be at basketball practice and they talk through um, the whole plan, really. Jim explains that he'll shoot her with a silencer. He says he'll smash the place up a little bit. Um, he gets told that there's some money in a coffee jar Um he tells him not to struggle with his conscience. Um, they, they go through this whole kind of piece, don't they, about exactly yeah. what it's going to look like. Um, then he turns on a light and he disappears again. Yeah, but this is all happening in this is in the aquarium. This bit, isn't it? 
Uh, is this in the aquarium? Are we in the aquarium already? I don't know. I might have got that completely wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no, you no, are you... right. We're not in the aquarium yet because there's one. No, we're not. Like That's first. the next bit. Yes. Yeah. So he disappears again. Um, and then that's when Joe goes and gets some money from the building society. Yes, that's right. Um, yes. I've written, she goes out, darling. <laughs> yeah. And this, I thought this bit was quite good because he goes to give her a kiss and she says, no, my makeup. And I thought yeah. that, that wasn't so on the nose because that could be no. something that, you know, your wife would say to you, hang on, I'm just going out, pack that shit in. But yeah. we know there's more to it. So exactly. that, that bit worked. So they can do it. <laughs> It did. That did work. But again, her delivery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. yeah. So yes, it, that was more subtle. That was that was more unbelievable and realistic. But yep. she just takes me out of it completely. There's, there's a part of my brain that's going. It's Phil Mitchell. So I'm already maybe a little bit disconnected from the story. <laughs> maybe that's part of the thing. But then she's disconnected me even more because she doesn't act like a human. Keith yep. Allen's not talking like a human. So like, all these different elements that are just. Because when me and you are sitting here discussing it, we're talking about all these different things that the characters, different motivations that they could have done. And actually, the story is interesting. Mm. The story is actually very, very good. But yep. all of these elements are taking me out of it. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Yep. Uh, this is where we meet him in an aquarium. This is lovely. This is, lo- this is a lovely little uh, <sighs> cheesy trope, isn't it? I love so a bit this, of cheese. It's, it's, it's Bond villain-esque, isn't it? <laughs> You know, with these massive sharks floating behind him and shit. And what gets me is this is obviously at night because his missus is going out. It's yeah, it's, it's dark time. and so on. Yeah, yeah. Where is this aquarium and why is it still open <laughs> at this time at night? The nighttime aquarium. Right. Okay. And I suppose they don't have to run the risk of it, you know, catching on fire because the firemen only work nine till five. So you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love a bit of cheese. So they're sitting <laughs> yeah. in front of this, you know, aquarium, uh, you know, dis- display all the fish swimming around. I, was quite, I would love one day, though, when they do these kind of, because they still do this on TV sometimes, they meet up in the aquarium. I don't know why the aquarium's a go-to place. I'd love it if there's, like, a, a shark mascot walking around the background or keeping his <laughs> finger up his nose or something <laughs> walking past, you know, because that's what I always see when I go to aquariums. This is the thing as well, though. The whole conversation about how it's going to happen yep. um, and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, that happened a bit earlier on, but they do touch mm. upon some more of the details here. Yeah, For example, they're talking about who will you shoot first and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And he hands him this massive envelope, this this wad of cash in this envelope that he doesn't tuck away anywhere. He's just walking around with it in his hand at this point. Yeah. Now, again, it's a nighttime aquarium, as you mentioned. <laughs> But there's plenty of people there. They're not on their own. Yeah. You no, know. there's a lot of people walking the past. And nobody's batting an eyelid that this guy is walking <laughs> around with 20 grand in an envelope talking <laughs> about murder and, oh, you know, I'll shoot this person first. And no one gives a yeah. shit. Everyone's just like, oh, look at the piranhas. They're nice. <laughs> you know? <it's laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, and I, like you say, I've, I've written, they've gone into more detail and they're talking about using the key to get in quietly and then they're going to break the glass well. And I like the fact that they're going through, because the program is called Murder in Mind. I like the fact they're going through what they're going to do with the, you know, how they're going to do the murder and how they're going to make it look like it's something else. And, um, 
he advises him, he advises Joe to do everything he would usually do after basketball practice, go into the sitting room before he goes upstairs, call the police, don't touch anything. Um, says he'll have an alibi and he won't see him again. Um, and it's, it's, it's very, um, it's, say the details very good like you said there's a good i would say this was a decent line where he asked him who he shoot first and he yeah. said well i i would presume whoever's on top yeah i think that makes the the gym character quite cold in what he mm. is doing, he's getting paid to do because he's very matter of fact with that statement and when you think about it it makes perfect sense that is what you would do yeah in that scenario so i think that worked really well yeah yeah exactly um angus wishes uh joe luck at basketball game and he might as you too which is yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, angus should have turned around and been like i'm i've not got a game this week um i put these two bell and mates are laughing at his wife cheating on him again were they right. I'm not sure they were there. I actually thought his Bell and mates were quite nice then because they were. Maybe I was. Maybe I was just. <laughs> my brain is melting by this point because <laughs> I've written it and then I'm thinking I only watched it like an hour ago. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, because they were both saying, "Oh, we'll come watch yeah. all lads play basketball." Yeah, they said we'll come and watch the match, mate. Yeah. Uh, mate, I've just got in my head their Bell and so. um then we, we have flashes of sort of almost grainy footage, don't we, in between. The, so the basketball game's going on. We get um, little bits of grainy footage of Jim walking into the place, shooting them both, mm-hmm. um, robbing the place. He shoots Angus right between the eyes. Uh, Angus has a little, a lovely little bit of uh, boss eyedness after he gets <laughs> shot. Love a bit of that. Is, does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> he did to Angus. Um, <laughs> what did you think when you saw that grainy scene of them getting shot? I thought it was not, I, I, I don't think it, we were seeing what was going on. I think mm. we were seeing what Joe was imagining was happening because he's yeah. at the, did you get that at the time? At the time, yes. did you think yeah. that's what, okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering because, um, you know, obviously at the very beginning we saw the knife in the chest. Yes. I, I was intrigued to see how, what you sort of, Right, that okay. Wasn't. Now, yeah. that, in the same way I didn't notice Angus, I noticed the car. Mm. It's funny how my mind works. I didn't pick up about the knife in the chest at all. Right. So they're talking about shooting and, and the whole... And they keep coming back to this plan about that the, they're going to get shot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have seen the end scene, I guess, the end the end game of what's go, what he's paying for. And there is this bloody great knife in the chest and it stands out a mile and so on. That's completely slipped my mind. I didn't even make the link. And that's quite good, I think. I think that was done on purpose. I think they right. spent so much time going into this. I think mm. that was partly done on purpose because I think every time I watch it, I know it's going to happen, obviously, by the sort of the third time. But I don't really think about the knife, really. No. It's the fact that they're dead is what stands mm. out. Yeah. So when they're talking about shooting, I didn't twig that that isn't correct. Hmm. Yeah, Inter- that's interesting. Um, so now we're going to skip across to after the game. And he returns home and he's nervous and he's breathing heavily. And I, I, I put here that I like the camera shot on him walking towards the house because I do like those kind of shots where mm-hmm. it's lingering and 
you know, again, this is one of those moments where they did take a little bit of time. They didn't rush this, and they let that sort of shot linger a little bit of him going back to the house. I will jump right back. back. Sorry, more. I will jump back. Are you saying about the the knife and so on? One mm. one note I've got here that I, I didn't. And again, this is how backwards my mind is sometimes. I didn't twig about the knife and the shooting issue, mm. but I did notice Jim wasn't wearing any gloves because that straight away struck me as being weird. Ah, and I, I was like, well, notice. I was like, you're going to be leaving prints everywhere. What's he doing? Because he's picking up the the golf, uh, the the golf yeah. can, that's like the coffee can, and he's got no gloves on. And I, straight away, I was like, well, that's strange. But I didn't think about the knife gun thing. God, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. You're right, he didn't wear any gloves, did he? No. In Joe's vision of what yeah. was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I didn't even I didn't pick up on that. It's a good thing we're doing this together because everything that <laughs> one of us misses. <laughs> exactly. It seems to work. <laughs> yeah. Um so we're right we're right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. We're right back where we uh, where we opened up. Um I've put the dead AF. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a moment when I wrote these. <laughs> <laughs> um but they're in different positions to what we just saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously we've got the the knife sticking out but like we said um the sit up bit happened again yeah and i wish when she sat up she'd have just gone darling i wish we'd have done <laughs> i wish she'd have done that that would have made the whole darling thing worth it for me yeah what have you done darling yeah that would have, oh, that would have worked for me look at the mess you've made <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um and then he looks right at us. I hated that. Yeah, that was not good. Because I'm, all, I'm already taken out. Like I said, I'm taken out by him. I'm taken out by her. I'm taken out by even Keith Allen's stuff. And now he's directly looking at us, the audience. Mm. Yeah, and going, that was... this is a story. And it's just, oh, man. Yeah. I didn't think they that... could take me out of it more. That was quite jarring. That was quite a, a, a shock to the system watching this. It was like, oh, okay. It just took yeah. me out of it completely. Because I think the point was, we've now, we're now going, uh-oh, he's realising what's happened. But that's not what happened. What happened is he looked at us, the audience, looked mm-hmm. directly down the camera lens. Yeah. And that just breaks. There's a time and place for that in TV. I'm not against that happening in certain TV shows or whatever, but not in something like this. It's supposed no. to be, and that moment as well, as you said, you've had the lingering shot of him arriving, mm-hmm. walking up to the house, walking through that, and and the suspension, the suspense, and the tension is building the whole time as he's yeah. going up the steps and everything, and you're sort of thinking, oh my god, oh my god, and then you see the bodies, and he reacts the way he does, and then that happens. It just completely annihilates all of it that they've mm. just built. Yeah, completely undermines it all. Uh, undermines it all. Um, then they have, which is quite interesting, they have the voiceover of the discussion they had earlier about how he's going to do it. He's going to shoot him and then he's going to mm-hmm. use the key and he's going to break the glass and all this. And obviously none of that has happened. Yes. Um, so Joe runs down and he realises that he hasn't taken any money from the coffee jar. He hasn't broken the glass. So now he's panicking. And uh, he's about to call, but he realises he's got to he's got to sort this out. He's got so to set he the break- scene, hasn't he, so to speak? Exactly. So he breaks the glass with a uh, with a tea towel. Um, yeah. 
He's really panicking. He's wiping down the cupboards and the coffee jar in his own house, which I thought was strange. Yeah, because your prince would be on shit anyway. Yeah, strange reaction, that. Mm. Uh, but he's panicking, so we can put that down to the fact yeah, that yeah. He's, he's trying to think. Um, and I put, now he's trying to work out what to do. I've written some more awful acting from McFadden, I put. Okay. I'm not the best actor in the world, but I, I don't know how I would convey this. Because uh, I'm not the best actor in the world, but this is really ropey for me. Is his acting in this? It's when very... he's on the phone, you mean? Yeah, I understand that the yeah. the character is pretending, mm-hmm. and maybe the character isn't a good actor. Okay, I get it. So he's acting at being a bad actor. Potentially, I don't think that is what's <laughs> happening. I think he's just a bad actor at this stage yeah. in his career, but. Um, that's very wonky acting on the phone. Oh my God, she's dead. And I'm like, yeah. oh. and, and this is where we learn her name. Oh yeah. What was her name? Sandra. <laughs> her name was Sandra. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. So now she's dead. I told what her name is. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a weird that. thing, isn't it? That's, that's strange. <laughs> yeah. They all my, I reckon they could have, if they wanted to, they could have gone through this whole episode without using her name once. Yeah. Could have said bye bye. Yeah, no exactly. That would have been interesting. Um, anyway, so yeah, so he's he's panicked and he's made this uh, phone call and then the, the flip switches. So he makes his panic phone call, puts the phone down, sharply looks at his watch. Um, it's, it's not oh, good. <laughs> um, then he starts trashing the place uh, with oven gloves on, which I found quite a funny visual. Yeah, it is. It is an odd one, isn't it? It's like it's like just big mittens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big mitties, and he's just yeah. trashing the place. Uh, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but I thought it quite it was quite amusing. He runs and sits next to her, and then he notices that he left the oven gloves on the floor. So he runs downstairs, puts them back, runs back upstairs, right whilst the police are at the front door. Yeah. Sits next to her, repeatedly says, "He killed my wife. He killed my wife," and that's when the police enter. Mm. Yes. on that um i can un- i can understand certain things not coming across as thought through as they potentially could be because as you said he's panicking he's realizing shit they're gonna think i've done this mm. so he's dashing around doing certain things and making a couple of mistakes here and there mm-hmm picking stuff up you know making it look like a robbery so taking jewelry and so on and hiding it in the cistern of the toilet that i've bought i've bought straight away the police are going to look there straight away that's one of the first place you know that's one of the first places they look for drugs when they when they raid any anywhere you know yeah. so that, that's just a go to so i thought that was really but again the guy's panicking, he may be not thinking it through, but I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, you, you got to do better there, mate, if you want to get away with this. Do you know what I mean? So- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, that, that doesn't bother me as much as so much of the rest of it bothers me because we've sort of established the fact that he's not the sharpest tool. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit, you know, he's not thick, but he's just not, he's just a bit of a normal bloke. So really, I guess he, you know, in that situation, we don't really know how we would react. And I suppose, you know, he would just go, oh, where can I hide it? Sister, you know, maybe. So. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've got as much of an issue with that as I have. The rest of it. Um, <laughs> 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 so now we're at the police station. 
so we're over there and he's he's just talking to the police at this point um and this felt a ben a lot more like phil mitchell to me this felt more yeah. in his in his ballpark because he's very defensive and this just felt like a phil mitchell interrogation scene yeah really. keep your gob shut i'm not gonna tell you nothing yeah exactly um he uh jim appears in the cell mm when he's in the cell and this is the bit where when you, when I first watched, well, I don't know if it's when I first watched it, but I know when I watched it most recently for the first time, if that makes sense, uh, I thought, Oh, well that's okay. Now this is the moment where we know this is part of Joe's imagination. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, you know, Oh, okay. This is the reveal that that's Joe's imagination. But then he wakes up and you realize it's a dream. So now there's this blurred line because there've been all this stuff throughout where he disappears quite quickly and now he's appeared to him. But so was he real? Is he setting him up? You know, it's really now that's, that's a big point of intrigue and it's really ramped that up. See, for me, I, I've got a note much further back on, on this, this little thing I'm scrolling back and forth on in front of me. Mm. This is the first time I've seen this. Mm-hmm. When he stopped and had a whiz in the canal, yeah that's when i put is jim real right at that moment i was like this doesn't seem like this 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 is in this guy's head Mm. um something else that really sort of lent me to think that way was the messages because they disappeared from the screen when his wife turned up that he and jim would you know now i don't know if he hit delete which is possible Mm. but they did he looked at his wife looked back and they were gone yeah. So that, and then the nature of him turning up in the pub, knowing where he drinks, knowing mm-hmm. all, all this, I'm thinking, mm, okay, this is in this guy's head. This here, where he appears in the cell, I'm sat there thinking, ha, yes, I'm right. That's the moment, yeah. But when he woke up and it was in a dream, that then made me think, oh shit, am I wrong about this then? I was adamant all the way through the program that this is in Jim is in this guy's head. Yeah. But the dream moment actually made me doubt that theory. Yeah. Whereas I, I got the opposite side of it. That was a bit where I was like, Oh, okay. That's yeah. yeah interesting, strange. Isn't it? Yeah. But that's, that's quite, like I say, that's quite good. Um, that's quite a good, a good uh, balance to that really. And that's, that's the, that's the limit that you want. Um, so like I say, he had that dream. And then we uh, we spend some more time with the police, and they are not convinced, are they? No, uh, and they're making it very clear they're not convinced as well. That yeah, we talk about a lack of subtleties, good. you know. Yeah, we talk I about a lack of quite subtleties. good. That's yeah, really yeah, good. yeah, yeah. But I'm talking like the police aren't subtle. They're mm. very much like, yeah, we don't know, mate. You know, it's that kind of. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really make sense to us. Uh, she d- mentions at some point that he's got a uh, a criminal mind. I think that's when he came up with because uh, he had an answer for everything, didn't he? Yeah. So, you know, she, they said they found glass on the tea towel, but the tea towel was hanging. So, you know, did they break in and then neatly hang the tea towel? That doesn't really yes. make sense. And no. the, the glass has broken a certain way. And he's, and that's it. He says, you know, maybe they broke in and then they hung the tea towel on their afters. And he's coming up with all these different things. And she says, oh, you've got, you've got quite the criminal mind, Mr. Mm. Waterman. You know, she's really, really not buying it. Um, he says that he didn't come into the kitchen at all, but they have blood on the oven glove that was there. They found that already. 
They show him the stash of money and jewelry that you mentioned that he stashed in the bathroom. They found all of these things. And now he realizes he's in the SHIT, starts talking about Napesworth. Yeah. Um, but he's not claiming that he arranged the killing necessarily, but that he did arrange for Napesworth to go there. I don't think he admits yeah, to to telling him to kill him. Yeah, to scare them. Mm. Um, and he, he points out that he gave him uh, £20,000 in the Building Society. Um, he gave him that money, and you, he can prove. You can go to the Building Society and see that I took that money out. And then he yep. takes them to the flat that uh, he met Nate with, with all the newspaper clippings and so on. Mm-hmm. Yes, but there's also something else that pops up that I think shouldn't have been said at the time it was said. It should have been left. Okay. Because all of the stuff that we've just uh, just ran through the glass on the tea towel, the blood on the oven glove, then finding the stuff hidden and all, you're still thinking, okay, what's happened here? Is Jim in his head? Has he done this? Is Jim mm-hmm. real? Is he is he setting him up? Literally, right at the start of being questioned by the police, they say that the time of death is actually the time that he called. Okay. So, yeah, so to, yeah, so to me, I'm thinking, right, well, that's already just giving away that in theory, you know, it's, it's pointing more fingers at him. It, mm. the, the, the coroner apparently tell, tells him that the time of death isn't when he was at basketball. The time of death is when he arrived home. The, the time of the phone call is very close to the time of death. Yeah. So yeah. Straight away, I'm, if that detail was given after all the other clues, I mm-hmm. think those other clues would have meant so much more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that one. Um, so they go to the, they go to that flat and it's, there's nothing there, but it's an old woman's room. Isn't it? Yeah. She's left it months ago. Hasn't she? Hmm. Yeah. Um, then we go back to the police station. He's trying to explain it again. The barmaid says, uh, the barmaid in the pub says that she never saw anyone with Joe. Um, they checked his account and he did withdraw £20,000 from the building site, but they found it in the loft under the water tank. Yes. And why would this guy kill these people and not take any money for it if that was the agreement? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's really, you know, Joe is done here. Joe is, Joe is done. They've got stacks of evidence, really. Um, and then they do something that, again, really annoyed me. Because I'm now going, oh, this is actually really good. This, this is, you know, this is building and building, and then this detective writes Joe Waterman's name on a board, and it's an anagram of James Naysworth. And oh God, <laughs> do you not enjoy that? No, talk about a reach. Yeah. Goodness me! How did he just look at Joe Woman and go? I mean, maybe he's just this sort of really clever guy with words, but what a reach! That or was a really... champion or something. Talk about on the nose, man! That was that was up the nose. That was too. Ah, uh, did you like that? Uh, see, <laughs> I, I, I could have done without it. Yeah, but I think because I never learnt Joe's last name until he's being questioned by the police. Okay. The possibility of the anagram being that never entered my mind, especially when he's constantly called Joe. 
mm-hmm. and it's only when the policeman starts writing it on the board that we, we see his name is actually Joseph. Yeah. So that was a bit of a reveal to me because I, I just assumed his name was Joe. Yeah. I didn't it'd be short for Joseph. So that was a bit of a surprise to be fair, but it's now becoming more and more like, cause they say, do you think we're stupid? Don't they? The police, they say, do you mm-hmm. think we're stupid? And then the name thing pops up. It's more and more and more looking like this is all Joe. He has set all this up. He has done this whole thing himself. And Jim yeah. doesn't exist. Jim is the fragment of his imagination, whether he's mm-hmm. got some sort of fracturing issue with his mind and it's a separate personality, or if it's somebody he's just fabricated to try and shunt the blame away from himself in this crime. There could be mm-hmm. various different motives, but this Jim guy apparently doesn't exist. That's the way it's coming across very much. So isn't it? And the name, yeah. thing, the name thing is like the final nail in that theory. It, it is. I could have done with that. I, I love a good anagram. I love, I loved, you know, uh, Harold Saxton and, you know, Harold Saxton being master number six and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love, I loved all of that. But, uh, this, this was just too long. I think again, I was affected by the rest of it. Um, <laughs> um so yeah so they they've done that um and he says it wasn't me it wasn't me and that's kind of the end of joe mm-hmm. and then we see james nature yes and he's wearing a suit and he's adding the story in the newspaper to his little scrapbook and that's where we end so okay you asked me what did I make of the whole name reveal thing. Mm. What did you make of this last scene? What? How did you take that? I thought that was brilliant because, okay. uh, well, I wouldn't go as far as brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was very good because they've just go, gone, this is definitely Joe, this yep. guy doesn't exist. And like you say, you, you then think back and you go, oh, yeah, the fact that he just really creepily and he sides in and out and he disappears and all this sort of stuff. The idea of a character. So this is obviously before things like Dexter and you and stuff like that. Right. The idea of a character who is a serial killer who covers his tracks by going onto these chat rooms, finding desperate people and getting all the information he needs, all of the lineup and a ready to made full guy for the murder. Mm-hmm going around murdering people, setting these people up and then going about his business and finding another victim. I think is a fascinating character that you can make yeah. a whole series of that idea that he, he had thought of every single level where he could set Joe up because why would this guy do it? If it was about the money where it's not about the money, you can see from there, he's a serial killer. He's a sociopath, but it also leaves it open-ended. I still think uh-huh. it's left open for interpretation because it could also be that that again is Joe's imagination. That doesn't really yeah. confirm that he is what I think he is. I think it's quite open ended. I think that's quite a good ending to it because it leaves you a much like first episode. Caitlin's, uh, you know, ha- what happens to her is left very open ended. That's left to the viewers to make up their mind what happens. So I think this makes you think. A little bit uh openly about it what do you think then i thought it was bloody fantastic again oh. for the same the same viewpoints as you and and to me it made the name thing even better mm-hmm. because he has chosen that name to help cover his own 
um urges to kill i guess if he's a serial killer he's doing he's doing it for that reason as opposed to a financial reason he's Mm -hmm. got and it fills in so many gaps as well the the whole money thing the 20 grand and and so on it's like well why is it in the loft obviously jim doesn't exist then he's because he he would want to pay you he would want paying sorry for the killing Mm -hmm. but then you see him with a scrapbook of all his victims and it's like okay yeah you know now where he's working and this is a big reach, but I don't know why, but my mind went to, he's working in an office. He's in a suit. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that he works for a letting agent or an estate agent? And that's how he knew that. Oh, that's a good idea. That yeah. flat was vacant for a few months so he could use it. Again, I, I don't know. I've just made a jump there, but I thought it was excellent because at the end you get the whole messaging back and forth and, and Jim receives, uh, starts DMing somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think, somebody called dave he refers to them as or dave John my something help. like that yeah and then he says oh yeah my name is and it cuts off almost yeah so almost like he's going to use another false name which mm-hmm. is potentially an anagram of dave whatever he's talking to so i think it was so so clever the ending to me made the rest of the episode worth it yeah that that was brilliant and i i i would argue that what happened here is they had a brilliant idea for an episode and they had a beginning and a middle and an end and they knew what they wanted to do. And it's fantastic. And then they went, Oh, we've got to write dialogue. Let's just shove some dialogue in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's get, let's get some, some actors, whoever they are. I think if the dialogue had have had more attention and the actors were better, this -hmm. would have been an all time great because the story is good. Yeah, the story is very, very good. The twist at the end is very good. You could have made a whole series out of that character. Mm-hmm. Ah, this was bad to me. Yeah, yeah. So, what what were your overall thoughts then? What was, I, I, we've we said on the first one, so we'll keep that going. This is murder in mind. Do you think that this is a episode that deserves to be murdered and forgotten, or is this one that you would keep in mind for people to watch or that you would rewatch? Um. I think it slips into the in mind category. Okay. But only just. I think the story is clever enough to make me want to watch it again because yeah. I bet there's certain things I've missed that if I watch it back, I may pick up again, mm-hmm. especially with regards to Jim and especially the scene when he's going, where Joe is going around trying to stage the crime scene. Mm. I, I wonder if the, there's things I've missed watching that potentially yep. the ending of it. Uh, I thought was just fascinating mm-hmm. how it was done. And again, it's left so open-ended. I want to figure it out. That's the big thing. I think. Yeah. I want to watch it and figure it out. I agree with you completely that the dialogue was just terrible. Some of the performances were awful. Mm-hmm. However, I can kind of look past that enough to think that those last I don't know, last 15 minutes where he comes really into the well house. Done. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, Joe comes into the house, sees the bodies. And then from there with the police and the reveal of the, the flat not being how he remembers it. And you're, you're mm-hmm. convinced at this point. And then the main thing you're convinced at this point, that's the clever twist is the name, but then you get the other twist of, you know, Jim in the office but is he really in the office or is that in Joe's mind as well? I think it, there's enough there to make me go back and watch it again, but it wasn't as clever or as good as last week's. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? 
if I never have to watch this again, I will be fine with that. <laughs> okay. I I I would put this um I would put this at the near or at the bottom of the pile on these episodes. Right, okay. I I think again, the story is good. The twist at the end is very good. I cannot every time I watch it, I just can't get into it. Yeah, because okay. The performances are so bad, and the dialogue, so, for me personally, are so bad that I, I, you know, you can you can invest in TV shows and you can invest in the characters and suspend your disbelief. I can't do this. It's yep. Steve McFadden acting badly with a lady acting badly with bad dialogue, and it just no, it doesn't work for me. So for me, um, this one can get murdered. Ah, okay. Our, first, our first, first difference. So yeah, episode two, and we've. Uh, We've got a different uh, viewpoint, yeah. which is really interesting. But again, That's, we uh, saw quite a few different things in the episode as well, didn't we? Yeah. And, you know, how we took certain moments and so on. So that's really interesting. It's really good. So who would be your MVP of this episode? Oh, Struth. Um I don't know. The barmaid in the pub, maybe? <laughs> 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 I think she was quite convincing at serving the drinks. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um <laughs> I would probably have to go for the Jim character out of any of the main character. I mean, the lady who who played the uh, the police officer at the end, I know, she stood out because she was quite convincing in a sea of yeah. otherwise poorly acted roles. But the character of Jim and guessing the whole way through and thinking mm-hmm. I had it figured out and then not having it figured out and then thinking I had it figured out again. And it all does come back from from Jim and the way that was all handled. It's probably going to have to be him. But again, I'm picking the best of a bad bunch. I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the, my mindset was exactly the same as yours. I was thinking maybe the policewoman that was in it for two minutes because she was quite good. <laughs> but I agree with you. It's got to be the character of Jim. I'm not convinced it's Keith Allen's best performance, but the character is a very intriguing character, and it's a character that mm-hmm. he could have done a lot with. Um, and it's you know that that twist and that turn and that mystery is what made this um, watchable yeah. <laughs> for me. So for me, it's Jim um, as well. So yeah, okay. very very interesting, and, and um, it, it gives me hope. Really, if if you there was enough in this for you to be intrigued because I honestly think this is one of the worst episodes. See that, that has made me really happy because uh, as I said, this was nowhere near as good as the first one, Mm. nowhere near, but it was still enough to make me sort of watch it all the way through, look forward to talking to you about it and potentially think when we finished watching the whole three seasons worth, Mm -hmm. I may go back and have another little look to see if there's anything I've missed. So that's encouraging to me. Yeah, and I'll be interested, you know, to the uh, any listeners that are watching along with us, what they think, you know, do they they uh, uh, agree with Sai that it should be kept in mind, or do you think it should be murdered? I'll be quite interested. Yeah, definitely. If, uh, anyone anyone thinks uh, on that side? So next week, Sai, it will be mm-hmm. episode three, and it's an episode called Motive. Okay. Uh, and it stars Reese Dinsdale as one of the main guys. Uh, are you familiar with Reese? No, don't think so. So um, Reese Dinsdale is um, quite famous for Home to Roost. He was in an old comedy. Um, yeah. He also played a character called Joe McIntyre in Coronation Street for quite a while, 
who I believe was okay. with Gail Platt. Um, apparently with Nemadale as well, but he's he's been in a lot of a lot of TV shows. He's quite a recognisable face. If you see him, you would see right. him pop up. He's been Life on Mars, and all kinds of different things. Um, Life on Mars, so I might recognise him from there. Yeah, he was uh, he was the gym teacher in Life on Mars in one of the episodes. Okay. Um, if I see him, I might recognise him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, with any of these, I can't really tell you much about it until we watch it because uh, you know we'll reveal too much. Yes. Um, but so all you need to know is Reese Dinsdale is in it, and it is called Motive. That's all you need to know. Okay, looking forward um, to it. Yeah. So where can we find uh, you and everything that you're involved in with Sai? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you can find everything I'm involved in at SJP World Media on Twitter and Facebook, and all your podcast providers, good and bad. We're all over the place, and there's so many shows on there. Looking at TV programs such as this one, uh, Doctor Who, Quantum Leap, loads of wrestling stuff, loads of brilliant hosts doing great shows. There's, there's far too many to list. I can't keep up with it. It's 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 fantastic. There's new stuff every day. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, but this show itself, you can follow on Twitter at murder in mind pod what about you bud uh yes you can you can find me interacting with that and you can find me on twitter at morty jr5 i'm also involved in a little thing called the morty and fitch show it's very arrogantly uh, named thing which you can find morty underscore fitch underscore pod it's completely different to this uh it's just too well i suppose it's not completely different because it's two mental people uh talking nonsense <laughs> i suppose it's not too different but um but we don't really review anything or anything like that. We just have a bit of a laugh. Uh, and for that show, by the way, I, I, I've got a lift to and from work some days now. And my, a lot of my podcast listening used to take place on the bus on my commute to and from work. So I'm catching up on stuff when I have certain days when I still get the bus. Mm-hmm. I listened to the episode that um, you and Fitch were talking about crimes that you, your namesakes oh. would potentially commit. <laughs> Yeah. And it was quite a busy bus journey. <laughs> there was quite a few people on there. And I started doing the old shoulder wobble where I was laughing. And then I started doing the old, my face was hurting a bit. And I basically got to the point where I had to stop the podcast till I got off the bus because you two were making me laugh so much. I looked mental. So <laughs> I can highly recommend anybody go and listen and anybody and everybody go and listen to the Morty and Fitch pod. It was, I, I was crying when I got off the bus that's a that's a lovely compliment that uh i made we me and fitch made you look mental that's oh, uh, 100%. a lovely compliment so uh thanks thanks for that so yeah join us back uh next time and we will be talking about episode three and as i mentioned earlier if you want to keep up with us on this show uh go and get the dvd or um you know contact the show on the twitter account that i mentioned and we can send you a link to uh watch along with us on daily motion yeah great stuff looking forward to next week bud great see you all later